At the end of verse 10, back in our text now, it says, I have come and I, to give life and that they may have it more abundantly. And remember that Jesus is not just concerned about our physical life. He's very concerned about that, but even more importantly, our spiritual life, because that, eter- that determines our eternal destiny. We all have an eternity waiting for us, a destiny ahead of us. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus said, I come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. This was to contrast his shepherd-like care with unfaithful and illegitimate leaders. They come to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus comes to bring life to his people. He gives his believers an abundant life, not only for physical life, but for spiritual life also. The abundant life is above all the contented life in which our contentment is based upon the fact that God is able in every situation to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching already in progress. The second time, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Notice that. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life. Notice that. And that they may have life more abundantly. And here's the first mention of, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But notice the second time and the last time Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Hallelujah. (laughs) I love that. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep. Notice this. Is there anybody this morning here who's Jewish? A couple, right? The rest of us are, guess what? Gentiles, right? Jesus says, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. (laughs) We are of the other fold. Gentiles, we are from that other fold. Notice what God says. Them must also I bring, and they, notice, they will hear my voice. The Jews who had everything given to them, the very word of God, the oracles of God, They rejected their Savior, but Jesus said, there's there's another group, another fold that I'm going to bring into the fold, and they will hear me, they will listen to me, and they will obey me. And I must bring them, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That's the church made up of Jew and Gentile. 
Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Was Jesus' life taken from him or did he willingly give it up? He willingly gave it up. That's what the Bible says. He willingly went to the cross. So no one takes it from me, Jesus says, but I lay it down of myself. Notice, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of a one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And the obvious answer is no. All the devil can do, all a demon can do, is destroy. That's all they can do. That's all that they do, is destroy. They're bent on it. Now it was the feast of the dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Had he been telling them all along? Hasn't it been fairly obvious, all the miracles? Even before Pilate, before he was crucified, what did Pilate say? Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you said it. Yeah, I am. I am the Messiah, the king of the Jews. They all knew, but what they wanted to hear, what they really wanted to hear was Jesus to stand up on a megaphone with a megaphone on top of the Empire State Building and say, I am God! And then they would pick up stones and stone him to death. That's what they wanted. But all of his life just oozed the very power of God. It was fairly obvious. There was no, there was, there was no reason for them not to understand. He was very clear with them in his life and in his words. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I've told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, notice. I will give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand and out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I like that. I and my Father are one. Do you have assurance this morning? You do. There's great assurance in Jesus. Let's go back to verse 7. I don't think we're going to get through this all today. We'll finish it next week because I can tell already. But notice back in verse 7. It says, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And Jesus made seven I am statements. Statements that prove that he was God in the flesh. When he said, I am, and there was a number of things, seven different I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. And in this chapter, we see him, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Later, in the next chapter, he's going to say, I am the resurrection of life. Whenever he says, I am, he is equating himself with his Father, thus being equal with God. He is God in the flesh. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They are all one. Three persons, yet the Trinity, all one. And this door that Jesus spoke of obviously is speaking metaphorically of, of a door physically like we saw in that graphic 
where the shepherd would sit right in the door and nothing would be able to get in and out without him knowing about it. And he would have a rod and a staff there for that purpose of protecting those sheep that are inside. And also, we saw that it's symbolic of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the door. And notice in verse 8, back in our text, it says, All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And see, here's the idea that when we or anyone else tries to enter the kingdom of God except through Christ, they are a thief and a robber, and it will not be permitted. The thieves and the robbers were the religious leaders. Those who are supposed to be pointing and encouraging people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But rather, they were leading people away from him and rather seeking to bring believers to themselves. They wanted their own church. They didn't want to be a part of the fold. They wanted to have their own fold and have the sheep belong to them instead of belong to Christ. There's a big problem with that, don't you think? Then it becomes about the the pastor. It becomes about the minister. It's not about them at all. It's about Jesus. Notice in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Sozo, it literally means to be saved, to be saved eternally. That's why when we say, I got saved, that means that I've confessed my sin. I know that I'm going to heaven. Not because of any good thing that I've done, but rather I believe what Jesus said about himself. For God so loved the world that he gave, God the Father gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life, not just a physical life. We have a wonderful life. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited to be here and to be alive, but have the Spirit of God indwelling me. I am so glad for that. I need, I I don't know how I live beside that or outside of that. For years I lived outside of Christ and what an awful thing that was. It was awful. But notice Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out of pasture. Notice only the door, only through the door, is there any way of going in and out. The shepherd, the shepherd is the one collecting the tickets. Collecting the tickets. Come aboard, Jesus says. Are you going to come aboard the church ship? Or are you going to stay outside? Remember what happened in the, in, in, in the book of Genesis in chapter 7? Remember when the door of the ark was open? And yet only eight people out of the whole population of the world at that time, which was pretty large, only eight people survived. And the rest of them perished in the flood. The worldwide, global flood. There's fossils on some of the highest mountain peaks in the world. Saltwater fossils, you know, fossils. I wonder how they got there. That is interesting. Somebody must have planted them there. No, there was a global flood, folks. A global flood. But he is collecting tickets on board that ship. Are you going to be on that ship? Or are you going to say, well, I can do it my own way? Well, hope that works out for you, but it never worked for me. It never works. It is his way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Notice in verse 10, the thief doesn't come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. 
I love that. He wants you to have life. He doesn't want to kill you. Some people walk around as if God is punishing them. I'm a Christian. I can't smoke anymore. I can't drink. You can do whatever you want. But let me tell you something. As you start uh, tearing apart this temple that Jesus said is the, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, your body, you start tearing it apart, you're going to be convicted about that. Why, do you, why would you want to do that when God wants to, to, to bless you and to make you better? He wants to bless you. He wants you to have life and life more abundant. What did he say in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, when he was really getting on the case of the Pharisees? I love what he said. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. They were actually keeping people from entering the fold. Keeping people from entering in. They should have been ushers ushering them in. Instead, they were blockading them from going in. They wouldn't go in themselves. And Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You're hypocrites. You're a bunch of play actors. Don't you hate play acting in church? Don't you hate a pastor who's one way here and he's, you see him out drinking in the bars, hanging out with all of you, drinking? There's a problem. But see, there's always, this has always been the heart of God to give you life and more abundantly. Jesus died that we might live. Yes, we are to crucify our flesh. The Bible tells us that, right? In Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul tells the Romans, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's kind of a, an oxymoron, isn't it? Because a sacrifice is something that dies. But he's saying, make yourself a living sacrifice. That means I'm alive, but i got to sacrifice something. Yes, the old members, those old things in your body, the hatred, the fornication, the homosexuality, you name it, the anger, the everything, all those evil things that we read about, those are things that we need to sacrifice. And he says it's your reasonable service. I love that. It's not even something that's like, oh, it's so taxing. I just can't stand to be a Christian. I think I'm going to go to Buddha. Hey, let me tell you, Buddha is a worst taskmaster that you've ever seen. You've got to live up to his standards. And there's no grace. <laughs> and you're not even sure if you're going to get to heaven. But Jesus says, when you come to him, that you are his. And there is nothing in heaven above. We'll read it in this chapter. There's nothing in heaven above or on earth beneath that can keep you, can pluck you out of his hand. When you are in God's hand, there is nothing and no one that can take it away. No one. The devil is not all-powerful, as some like to purport. He is a created being. He is not all-powerful. God is all-powerful. And guess what? He loves you immensely. He loves you more than you can possibly know. I pray that if you get nothing out of today is to know that he is the good shepherd and he loves you. He wants you to bring you into the fold for protection and love. Isn't that what a parent does? They, 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 they have their kids in their home to love them, to nurture them, to show compassion, to grow them. And also, it's also to protect them from the outside elements. As a parent, that's our mandate, to protect our kids. Jesus, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the greatest shepherd, he sees us that way, and he wants to protect you. He wants to bless you. So let me ask you again, are you in the fold today? If you're not, please come to him. Come up after the service. We're not going to have an altar call and embarrass anybody. If you haven't received Christ today, you must receive him.
You must come up. I'd be glad to pray with you. There's some other pastors and elders. We'd be glad to pray with you. Would you please consider that very seriously? Because, folks, we are at the end of the end. We're getting to the end. Wake up. We are at the end, more than we've ever been before. I used to think, well, you know, people have been saying that for a long time. Yeah, they have, and it has been. It's been getting darker and darker. Things have been lining up and lining up with the Scripture for a long time, but now it is becoming more clear. The Bible back in the 1800s was like a black-and-white document, and each year that goes by, it's getting more darker and darker, and all of a sudden there's more color, you know, faded color. Now it's becoming more vibrant. It's becoming, oh, my goodness, here we are. Do you you have eyes to see that? And only the Spirit of God in you is going to help you. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. And God will show you. And it becomes very obvious to me. I've been saved for 26 years. And I knew nothing. And especially in this last year and a half, it's been like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Things are changing And at first I was scared, and then I thought to myself, Lord, you are definitely on the throne. Because everything we've been reading about in Revelation, everything we've been reading, everything that Daniel's been talking about, everything that Ezekiel's been talking about, it's all lining up. It's all lining up. Even the nations around us are lining up, but I digress. (laughs) But give your life. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, you can mark this. I'm just going to read it to you for the sake of time. I apologize. I, I'm kind of like a bullet sometimes. But in Deuteronomy chapter 30, remember, Jesus says, I have given you life and that life more abundantly. What did he say to the Jews before they crossed over into the promised land? In Deuteronomy 30, it says this, beginning in verse 15. God says to them before they cross over into the promised land, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live, notice that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But, here's a conditional statement, but, circle that, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods, lowercase g, and you serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess it. And here it is, verse 19, what does he say? And this is very pertinent for us today for many reasons, personally and corporately in America I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Let me repeat that again. Choose life. Choose life. That you, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Choose life. If you're a Christian... You ought to be pro-life. And you know what? There's some that don't like that, and I really don't care. 
And you know why? Because this is the truth. This is the truth. If you, I don't care what party you belong to, if you are pro-choice, you've got a big problem with God. You've got a big problem. And I'm, I'm not just trying to influence you. I read to you what he says. He says, choose life. And ladies, let me say something to you. Because I know that there are some in this room, when they were young and they were reckless, they had an abortion. And please understand that if you have asked God to forgive you, and if you're a Christian right now, and you gave your heart to him, he'll never look upon that sin again. You've you got to know that. And he will comfort you. There's no, there's no problem there. Because you've come to him and you've confessed that sin. And what is the promise? If, he, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's some of you here today that are smarting over a choice you made long ago when you were young and foolish, like I was. You made that decision, but guess what? God loves you. If you've confessed it and you're one of his, he'll never look upon it again. He casts your sin as far as the east is from the west. In the sea of forgetfulness, he'll never look at it again. You must believe that or you're going to walk around wounded for the rest of your life. So please understand that, that that is the truth. If you're a Christian and you've done that in your past, it's over, it's done. He'll never look at it again. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. You've got to believe it. You must believe that or you're relationship with him is going to be stunted. You're going to walk around with a peg leg, and you're going to be hobbling around the world. Know it. Believe it in your heart. In Mark chapter 12, verse 27, Jesus said, He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Notice, at the end of verse 10, back in our text now, it says, I have come to give life, and that they may have it more abundantly. And remember that Jesus is not just concerned about our physical life. He's very concerned about that, but even more importantly, our spiritual life, because that that determines our eternal destiny. We all have an eternity waiting for us, a destiny ahead of us. And you make the decision today based on your understanding and your belief in Jesus or not. You make that decision today where you're going to go. That's the bottom line. If you are in Christ, you're going to be with him where there are pleasures for every more holy pleasures, not the pleasures of the world. <laughs> holy pleasures in his presence. But if you reject him and you die, you take your last breath and you're still unrepentant, the Bible gives you no other, there's no other recourse but that you go to hell. Yes, I said that. Actually, I didn't say it. God says that. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. He did. It's a real place. And that's what got me into the kingdom of God, honestly. Somebody told me, <laughs> share with me my sins. That were, I knew they were my sins. A good friend approached me and he says, Rob, he says, what you're doing right now is going to send you straight to hell. And I'm like, Pfft. And then he brought out the Bible and he showed it to me in black and white. And I quivered. No kidding. I shook like a leaf. Conviction of God fell upon me. I knew I was bound for hell. And that very day, I gave my heart to Christ. I went up to my apartment room. I kneeled down next to my bed. I can see it in my eyes, my memory, just like it was yesterday. And I knelt down and I convulsively, on my knees, laying flat on my stomach at times, crying convulsively, asking God to forgive me for my wretchedness. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.